Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Pastor Pastor Jeff last weekend did an amazing job of talking about how God views us. He's preaching out of chapter 2 of 1 Peter, and in that first half of the chapter, Peter talks about the fact that God's accepted us, that, that he loves us so much that he sent his son, so he came and he forgave us, that he made, he's made us capable and competent as ministers of the gospel, and that he chose us to be his family, to be his people. That's pretty awesome. And so the, the second half of the chapter, of chapter 2, is kind of a continuation. It's almost like Peter said, now what? God loves you. He chose you. So what are we going to do about it? So today, Peter talks about the fact that people are watching us. And it's true. I mean, everywhere we go, people are kind of watching us, and they're looking at us, and they're looking at at who we are and what we say and what we actually do. Matter of fact, would you turn to someone right now and say, I'm watching you? You know, some of you say that normal. Some of you say that really creepy. Those are my people. What up? <laughs> so people are watching us and learning from us, too. They're learning things about us. They're seeing what's important to us. They're seeing things that are happening. But, you know, even, even Google's doing that. Have you noticed that? Google's learning from you all the time. Like you go and you, you look up one thing one time. Then all of a sudden, there's an ad for that everywhere you go. Man, it's crazy. It's like, man, I looked up hemorrhoids one time. (laughs) Preparation H ads, every site I go to. I'm really ticked about it. Frankly, I kind of have something up my butt about it. But that's another thing. Anyways, it's a bad joke. So, So everywhere we go, whether it's Google or other people, they're all learning from us. They're asking the question, what's important to us? What matters to us? See, I contend that... We're teaching people about what we believe and what matters to us, even in the moments that we believe don't matter, especially in those moments. And I think that's what's called integrity. Integrity is this thing that is below the surface. It's the stuff that isn't Instagram worthy. It's the stuff we don't think anyone else sees. It's the little things. That's why Peter talks about This idea that people, he says in in, uh, verse 12, he says, people who don't believe are living all around you. So live such good lives that they will see the good things you do and give glory to God. Because the reality is people are always observing us and they're asking the question, does our walk match our talk? Does what we say match what we do? Does our, our, our church version of ourselves, our Sunday version, does that match our Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday version? And the the thing is, people are looking at us because they genuinely want to know if this works, not just to to expose hypocrisy or have some sort of a gotcha moment. But the thing is, people are shopping for Jesus through the window of our soul. See, Pastor Jeff talked about it last week, that we're called to be a bridge. We're called to be this, this vehicle for people to come to know Jesus through us. And the thing is, we may be the only Bible some people ever read, and that's largely not by our words. What did our parents always say? Actions speak louder than? Because the thing is, what we do is so, speaks so much louder than what we say. 
And so the question I want to talk about today is when we speak with our actions, when we write a story with our life, is it pointing back to this? As people dig in to those little moments in our lives, do they see this book all over it, whether it's the mistakes or the good things, do they see Jesus in my life? You know, there's a story of a, of a college that wanted to have a beautiful library. They wanted to have the most beautiful building, so they hired this architect to come and design their library. And he was the best architect around, and he did an incredible job. I mean, the outside looked amazing. It was truly an architectural landmark. It was amazing. So they had, they had, they had built it up. It, it looked incredible. Magazines were writing about it. The local travel guys were putting it on the list of places to go see. Everybody was excited about this. But something weird started to happen. After about a year, the whole building kind of settled and sunk several inches. People thought, oh, okay, maybe it's just a couple inches kind of settled. But then it kept settling. It, it, it sunk, actually like five inches the second year and six inches the year after that. And within five years, the entire building had sunk several feet and it eventually had to be condemned. See, legend has it that when they went to go look and figure out what happened, the engineering company, when they were, were putting together the stuff, when they made the foundation, they hadn't taken account for the weight of the books in the library. See, when it, the, the, the building actually did what it was supposed to do, when it actually tried to do what it was designed to do, hold books, it looked beautiful on the outside, but it couldn't uphold the weight. Sometimes I think we're the same way. We may look beautiful on the outside. We look incredible. and We put a lot of design and effort into looking so amazing. But sometimes when we try to actually do what God's called us and designed us to do, we start to kind of sink under the weight of the calling. See, that's why foundation is so important. The foundation of our integrity is something that's below the surface. That's why I love the word integrity, but sometimes it gets lost on us. That's why I also like to use the word foundation. Because so many times we don't think about our foundation. It's just kind of there. But the reality is if your foundation isn't there, you're going to know it because you're going to be sinking. So that's why today... I want us to talk about what it looks like to live a life of integrity, to have the kind of life that has a foundation that's rooted in Jesus. So I want to know, how many of you today want to dive in with me and learn how to be a people of integrity? Come on. So Peter's going to give us three ways. He's going to talk, first of all, in verse 11. I want you to read this with me. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, let's start over. We'll start over. You know what? I jumped in too quick. You guys ready? We're all going to read this together. You ready? Let's do this. Dear friends, I urge you. As foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. So the first thing Peter says is to abstain from sinful desires. Now there's a few things I want to point out here that are kind of interesting. There's kind of three parts to this verse. The first thing that's really interesting is how he greets them. He says, as foreigners and exiles... Other verses say aliens. Others say strangers. What he's trying to say here is that you're people that don't belong. Because your end goal isn't here on earth. Your end goal is in heaven. Your end goal isn't something that's temporal. Your end goal is something that's eternal. So he's starting off by saying, look, you need to be focusing on what your end goal is. And when you focus on what your end goal is, then that's going to affect what your daily goals are. So 
He says, first of all, that focus on what's up here, focus on where you're going. And the second thing he says in the verse is to abstain from what? Did he say to abstain from sin? He says, he doesn't say that. He says abstain from sinful desires. Now, why do you think he says that? I think it's because every sin starts with a desire. It starts with a thought. It starts at the root. And sometimes we try to deal with the fruit instead of digging down to the root and tearing that out. So he says to abstain from these sinful desires, which is interesting because I think as I've looked at my life and as, I, and as I've prepared for this, I've come to the conclusion that I think sometimes we, we, we like to keep our sinful desires around. There's little things in our life sometimes. You know, and I, I've come to this conclusion that a person of integrity is someone who is willing to just turn off a movie that's pointing them in the wrong direction. They're the person who says, hey, I'll lock the fridge, I'll shut the door, I'll stop the relationship, I'll turn off the computer, I'll get off that website. Maybe there's a relationship that's causing me to gossip and tear other people down. I I'm not going to be a part of that. What are we willing to do to be people of integrity? You know, it it's interesting. The rest of the verse, he, he kind of says something that's kind of odd that I think is really interesting. He says this. He says, these sinful desires that do what? that wage war against your soul. How many of us woke up today feeling like we were at war? You know, I know a lot of us do, but for some of us, I think we kind of forget that for a moment. It's easy to kind of forget, and, and we, we get into this time where it's almost like we see temptation and these things coming at us like they're just random. Just randomly happens, just kind of happen across something, but the reality is that temptation is intentional. We're at war. You have a God that loves you, but you have a devil that hates you, that wants to see you torn down. He wants to see you lose your faith. He wants to see you lose your witness. He wants to see you lose your relationship with him. He wants to see you completely walk away from all that. He wants to see you throw it all away. He wants your kids to look at you and say, I don't want to be like mom and dad because they said they love Jesus, but then all of a sudden, bam, they just went down a whole other path. He wants your coworkers to say, now, nah, now, nah, that guy, I mean, he shows up to work every Sunday, but you should see him on Monday and Tuesday. That guy is a jerk. See, we're at war, but yet sometimes I think we act like the first person to die in a horror movie. You know what I'm talking about? The first person to die, am I the only person that's watched a horror movie? You know what I'm talking about? Like the person, they just watched on TV the news break that says the serial killer just broke out of the prison that's like a mile away. And then what happens? They hear a noise. And what do they do? They go outside. Can you not hear the music playing, dude? It's getting creepier and creepier. Stay in the house. You know something? If I hear a noise in the middle of the night, and I think it's something that's going to harm me or my family, I go address that noise the way my daddy taught me to. In my underwear, holding a firearm. America! Because the thing is, I was kind of raised out in the country and whatever it was that, that could be coming to harm you, whether it was an animal or whatever, I was raised with this mentality that if something's coming after you and your family, you have a, you have a duty to protect them. Matter of fact, if it's something out there that's really willing, really willing to hurt them, you, you go out there prepared to kill it. 
whether it's an animal or whatever, you're, you're going out ready to go. And so I kind of have that mentality a little bit in some areas that, man, if you're going to come in my family, come in my kid, you got to come through me. <sighs> but then it's interesting. Sometimes I wonder if I have that mentality spiritually. Because the thing is, we know we have a devil who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. We know he's coming. He's making war against us. He's sending things after us. But sometimes when I hear a noise in the middle of the night of my spiritual life, something kind of goes bump that doesn't seem quite right. Maybe a relationship, maybe, maybe a conversation, maybe whatever it is. I don't know but what it is for you. But when we have those things in our life that aren't just quite right, are we coming out? with our weapon, willing to kill it and put it to death and put it before our God. See, the reason why we have to be so vigilant is because sometimes the attacks and the things coming at us, they aren't always as, as obvious as, as they seem or what we would think they'd be. The reality is it's really, really easy to get caught up in things. Especially in culture, when we live around things for long enough, eventually it starts to become normal. But the reality is it should never become normal to us. It, it, it should truly bother us when, when things around us don't glorify our God. It should bother us when the Lord's name gets taken in vain. It should bother us when, when sex and violence are rampant. It should, it should bother us when, when our, we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves, and our neighbors are, are getting hurt and are having things that are happening to them that are absolutely terrible. That, that should still bother us. But see, the thing is that when we get caught up in culture, it's so easy to go with the flow and kind of go along, and suddenly it kind of becomes normal, kind of becomes the, 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 the normal thing, something that just, just feels right. You know, if you take a frog and you put him in boiling water, he does what every other animal will do. He jumps out because it's hot. But if you take a frog and you put him in room temperature water and you slowly turn up the heat, do you know that frog will stay in there and boil alive? Because he starts to become used to each temperature change. And before you know it, the very thing that's killing him is just normal. You know, for me, I experienced that in my life. I came to this point where I realized that pornography was so normal for me. I was so used to it. I was so used to having everyone I knew you know, that, that I hung around. They did it too. I was just so used to hiding it from certain people and then glorifying it with others. It was just a part of my life. And I came to realize one day that the very thing that was killing me, that was killing my relationship with God, that was, that was putting things into my foundation that I'd have to, have to work through for future relationships, it was just normal to me. That's why accountability is so important in my life. That's why having godly people in my life is so important. That's why the 12 steps to celebrate recovery are so important to me. Because the thing is, I refuse to let something be normal when it's hurting me. And so I think the question for us is, as we look at our lives... What are those things that are coming after us? Like one of the questions is, are we fighting? But also, are we fighting alone? Man, maybe some of you need to come and get to know some of the awesome people we have at Celebrate Recovery. Maybe you need to come get to know some awesome people in a life group. 
Maybe you need to, to get involved with some people that can walk with you. Maybe after service today, you just need to go talk to somebody and let them pray with you. But one way or another, who's in your life? So the first thing we look at, if we want to be people of integrity, we, we got to look first of all at how we're doing with, with sinful desires that are coming at us. But the second one is this, to submit to authority. Now I want you to look, check this out. It's going to be on the screen. It says, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Oh, you know what? I messed something up. Uh, I'm looking for, I got the wrong translation in here. I'm looking for, I don't know if any of y'all have this translation, but I'm looking for the translation that says, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority that you like and agree with. Does anybody have that one? Is that, you know what? I know it. That's the TJV, the Timothy John Valentine version. Because the reality is, I would love it if the verse just said, submit to those that you agree with. But the Bible doesn't. That's why I think that's one of the biggest signs of integrity is when you submit to authority. That's why the Bible calls us to do it, because not only does it worship God in that, it makes us stand out from other people and makes them ask questions like, why in the world would you do that? So for us then, as we look at our life, how do we do with submitting to authority, whether it's Spiritual authorities or ones in your job like your boss, law enforcement, whether it's, uh, you know, anything with, with uh, you know, tax law, speed laws. I mean, I, I, I heard someone once say, you know, I, man, I'm doing really good with submitting to God and submitting to speed limits, but man, my car is just doing terrible. We all lay hands and just pray for him. It is horrible. See, we live in a world that loves power and control. We live in a world that likes to be in charge. And so sometimes the idea of yielding feels like some sort of a weakness. But the reality is yielding is actually a sign of strength. Because when I yield, I say, you know what? I serve God, not you anyways. My God's bigger than anything that's in front of me. So maybe for some of us, we need to focus on who's bigger, our God, or these things in front of us. See, it says that, I feel good about myself that I don't have to have my way all the time. I would contend that when I'm securing Christ, I'm most likely to say I don't need to have my way. But when I'm insecure is when I absolutely feel like I have to have my way. I find that in my marriage that when I get the angriest about stupid stuff, like when we have maybe a, a conflict on something and I find myself just getting heated that's just beyond, beyond like any rational explanation... It's normally because I'm insecure about something. There's something in there that isn't quite secure, and it just got poked just right, and the minefield goes off. When I'm secure in God, I can let other people have their way. But even more so, as people are watching us and seeing how we respond to authority in our lives, it's interesting. The more that we submit to God's authority, we find ourselves not just submitting to authority that's official, but we start finding ourselves submitting to authority that's everywhere, to everyone. It says in Ephesians 5 that we should submit one to another. And in verse 17 here, it says this, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. First of all, showing respect to everyone 
Respect is something you can give to someone even when they don't deserve it. Respect is something that God calls us to, to, to give. We can respect because the Lord has allowed him to lead us. But also, that word everyone, I just want you to, to think about that for a second. See, prejudice is inconceivable in the life of a believer. Because the ground's level at the foot of the cross. No matter what color, no matter what, no matter what race, no matter what height, no matter what shape, no matter who you are, no matter what abilities or disabilities, no matter what gifts you have and someone else doesn't have, we are called to show respect for each other. Man. But then second, it goes in to say, love the family. Now, who's the family? That's us. The reality is we don't all have to necessarily like each other. I know there's moments where, where things happen and clashes happen. But the thing is, even if I were to have a, have a disagreement with my brother or sister in Christ, I may not like you at the moment, but I love you because I'm commanded to. And Jesus died on the cross for both of us. But then he goes on to say, fear God and honor the emperor. See, the thing is, I like how he put that in there because the more that we fear God, the more we obey. And the more we obey, the more this gets played out in our lives. And this word honor, honor is something interesting. See, you can honor a position, not necessarily, but maybe not a personality. I don't know who you are, but see, he's talking about the emperor here. The emperor, you could, you could put in any you know, authority over a country, a president, a king, whatever. The question is, we, are we honoring the position that people are in? I know there's some people around that maybe, you know, whether it's an elected official at a local level or a state level, maybe even a national level that maybe we don't necessarily appreciate, but can we still honor the position? And you know what the greatest way of honoring a position is? By praying for them. Amen. See, if you got someone in your life that you don't like that's over you, whether it's a boss whether it's just someone in your life in general, maybe it's, it's an elected official. When was the last time you got down on your knees and you said, Father God, I want you to bless them immeasurably. I want you to not only give them wisdom, not just, you know, sometimes we pray for wisdom for people, but we really mean like God give them the wisdom to know that they're an idiot. I mean, really pray that God would bless them. Say, like, God, give them more than I even have. God, open up the, the, the floodgates of heaven for them. Because the reality is, when we're obedient in that, something starts to change. It starts to change in our countenance towards them. It starts to change in how we interact with them. So we're called, if we're going to be people of integrity, to first of all, look at how we interact with, with, uh, with, with our authority, but also with our sinful desires. But then finally, the third one is this, to trust in the face of suffering. See, the Bible is pretty clear that we're going to face suffering. Actually, Francis Chan says it this way. He says, I don't think there's a, a more common theme throughout the New Testament than this idea that we're going to have suffering. It seems to happen in almost every single book of the New Testament. That there, there will be something that goes wrong. There will be persecution. There will be things that happen. But the question in all of it is who's bigger, my trouble or my God? Because when I run to him, I have peace that surpasses all understanding. When I run to myself, I'm just going to be drowning. So who are we running to? Who are we trusting in those faces of suffering? And, and sometimes we talk about suffering in this country, but I don't know if we really get it. Sometimes my definition of suffering is the Wi-Fi being out or the fact that we don't have a Chick-fil-A in Sioux Falls, <laughs> which sucks. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> Man, I'm going to drive an hour. That's just horrible. 
But you know something? I, I want to I share with you a story of someone who really understands suffering. Her name was Helen. And Dr. Helen was a medical missionary to the Congo. And in 1964, when the Simba Rebellion occurred, she was attacked and captured by rebel forces. During that time, she was beaten and raped repeatedly. She had this to say about her experience. She said there was this time where the rebels had decided to execute several of us. Only too quickly, the moment came when we were actually standing in front of the firing line. If someone had asked me earlier if I could be a martyr, I would have answered, no, I'm not built that way. But as we were facing those guns, certain to be killed at any second, we were actually singing the praises of God. We suddenly experienced God's presence and joyfully anticipated our reunion with him in heaven. God simply swept our fears away. But miraculously, at the last moment, the rebels decided not to execute us. She says, in fact, I can remember one other late night experience when this overwhelming consciousness of God's presence came to me. That he was there and he was in charge and that he knew what was happening. It was almost as if he said to me, they're not beating you or raping you. These aren't your sufferings. These are my sufferings. All I'm asking is loan of your body. You know, that's a pretty incredible story, but it goes on. Later on, she wrote that then in 1981, I had breast cancer. I was the exact age when my mother had died of the exact same illness. Then two, year, uh, two years later, I had a, son, a second mastectomy and learned that my husband was having a midlife crisis affair. Then three years later, our bright, beautiful 18-year-old son took his life. Then two years after that, after 21 years of what I thought was a good marriage, my husband moved in with his girlfriend. Because of all the hell we'd been through, I was certain nothing could break us apart. When he left me, the pain was gut-wrenching, but I got through it. How have I overcome all this grief in my life? It was due to the help I received and loving support of my church family, my family, and friends. But above all, it was my belief in the presence of God in my life. See, the greatest test of our character is how we respond in the face of suffering. Because the reality is that's where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to, to, to say all the things and say, yeah, you know, I, I believe this and I believe this. But I heard someone once say that with, with Christians, you don't really know what's inside of them, kind of like tea bags. You don't really know what's inside of them until you put them in some hot water kind of seems to be how that plays out. So the question for us then is, when we're going through stuff, who do we turn to? What's cool is we have a really awesome model, and his name is Jesus Christ. And I want to share with you what Peter writes about him. He says this, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's interesting. Jesus was in this moment where things were getting thrown at him, and he had accusations that weren't even true, and he decided he wasn't going to throw stones, he wasn't going to fire back, but he was going to trust the one who judges justly, saying that he's going to balance the books, not me. The question for my life, then, and I think all of our lives, is do we trust a judge who judges justly or do we want to be the judge? When was the last time that 
we had an injustice happen to us and we just kept our mouth shut. See, God says that shows integrity. I, I think about in my life, sometimes I, I, I like to try to fix other people. And I had a pastor share me the best piece of marriage advice I ever got. He said this, he said, you know, if you have a moment with your wife where you just don't think there's, there's any, you know, you, you just think, man, she's dead wrong. Instead of praying to God that, you know, he changes her, just pray that God changes you and he'll work on her. And the same thing goes for any other relationship in our life. So as we go through these, it's interesting. You know, as we look at our, our, our integrity and we look at how we do with sinful desires, as we look at how we do in the area of authority, as we look at how we're doing when, when it comes to us going through trials, I think we're all kind of writing a story. And of course, the question I asked earlier is, what story are people reading? Is it this book or is it something else? I don't know. Maybe you're someone who looks at that story and you think, man, I, I don't really like it. There was a guy named Alfred who had a similar thing that happened to him. Alfred Nobel was quite a rich man, very, very rich, very wealthy, great businessman. And he woke up one morning, he opened up the morning paper, and he read his obituary. The, the paper had made a mistake. His brother had passed away, and they thought it was him. And so they put it in his obituary, and this is what it said. Alfred Nobel was the inventor of dynamite. He was a manufacturer of weapons. He was a merchant of death. He said it so shocked him that people viewed him that way, that that was the summary of his life. That he said, I'm going to change. I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing something different. He said this, I, I, he, he took his money and he actually put it towards something that we now know today is the Nobel Peace Prize. And so he got to celebrate people who themselves were working towards peace. And why do I say that? Because if you're someone who looks at your life and you don't see very much of this book, the great thing is this book is filled with stories of people who have rewritten stories because our God is the kind of God that likes to do rewrites. We serve the kind of God that likes to take the blood of the lamb and wipe some stuff clean. See, you may be looking at this stuff and you may be saying, well, I don't know if I could really live that out. See, the thing is, we're, we're called to perfection because we serve the one who is perfect. Amen. We're letting him control our life. And does that mean we always get it right? No. I don't always get it right. I have moments in my life. But that's the thing. When we look to him as our source, we look to him as our God, we let him do it, amazing things start to happen. So I want to ask you today, how are you doing with your integrity? How are those moments that other people see that Maybe you don't mean them to. What do people see when they look at your life? What do your kids see? What does your spouse see? Would you join me in prayer? Father, we are so grateful for you. God, your word specifically says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So I want to say, first of all, if any of my brothers and sisters in this room are feeling condemned, God, I pray that they will step into you right now. And let you work on them. Because the thing is, conviction is a beautiful thing from you. It allows us to look more and more like you. It allows us to get closer to you, Father. It allows us to, to worship you more truly. It allows us to have a better life because ultimately we're, we're better people in you. So God, if there's anything in us that doesn't look like you, Father, we ask you to chip it away. God, if there's anything in me that would stop people from coming to you, God, I want that away. I want people to know you because of my life, not be turned away from you. And God, I pray the same thing for each of us in this room. 
that we would have lifestyles of worship, lifestyles of evangelism. God, if, that if, if we need to step forward and take a step today, that that would happen. That, that if someone is feeling that way today, that they wouldn't just do that, but even more so, God, that maybe today they need to say, Father, you be Lord of my life over all of it, not just the stuff I like to show people. Or maybe today's the day where, where God, somebody's going to step out and have a relationship with someone in a life group or CR. And God, I just thank you that you've orchestrated people around that they can walk with them. So I just pray for being all over those relationships. God, we are so thankful for you. You are awesome and amazing, Lord. God, you are our ultimate foundation. So God, we're going to come before you now.